Hello, this is Pip Adam and welcome to episode 73 of um, Better Off Red podcast. Um, Boy, have you picked a good day to arrive. Welcome. Um, Today um, we have in this episode the first in our sound series so um, this is a 10-part series where I will be talking with writers musicians and other artists about how sound um, connects to their work or um, how sound is kind of implicated in their work Um, we have already recorded a few of these and the discussion has been beyond my wildest dreams Um, I've been thinking a lot about this podcast um, and this series and yeah, it's just the conversations have been unbelievably good. Um, We have talked about words and music, we have talked about noise, we have talked about um, how sound feels in our bodies, we have talked about the lack of sound and um, yeah, it's just been really great. So in this, the first of the sound series, I am speaking with James Woods and Nick Ascroft. Um, James and Nick will introduce themselves um, after I stop talking, which is great, and um, so I will leave them to do that. Both James and Nick chose to talk about songs. Um, they both submitted songs as their sound. Now, the best way to listen to these songs is to go to our website. It's better-red.com. So better-red.com, and um, you can find links to the two songs that we are talking about. Um, That being said, if you are at this moment on a treadmill or driving or cycling or even just walking quite fast um, this podcast works very well without listening to the songs first Um, the songs are really just a jumping off point um, and they are described very well by both James and Nick so um, keep cycling keep running you do you and um we what else do I need to tell you oh I need to tell you that at the end of the conversation I will be offering an exercise and um, we are going to be showcasing the results of some of these exercises but there's more information about that to come the important thing is that at the end of this there's an exercise and if you feel so inclined you might like to um, have a go at that exercise Um, this series the sound series um, is being made possible through arts continuity grant funding from Creative New Zealand, Toi Aotearoa, so um, we are very grateful um, to have had that funding. Also, um, as I sit here, um, I'm actually at the Michael King Writers Centre in Devonport. Um, We're very grateful to be in residence, Um, it's just superb here, I am so grateful, Um, and yeah, I think that's everything I need to tell you and I really hope you enjoy the podcast and we will have uh, another episode next week but in the meantime please enjoy James Woods and Nick Ascroft. Okay here we are this is exciting how are you James? I'm good thanks. Oh that's good how are you Nick? (laughs) I think I'm very well. Oh I got to be a good day then it's got to be a good day (laughs) okay so today you have both generously um, given us two amazing songs to look at which I'm quite excited about Um, but I wondered if before we started that if you would like to introduce yourselves should we start with James James would you like to introduce yourself Um, (laughs) I'm James Woods I'm a um, uh, I'm a musician and sound engineer do you want to talk about what 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 bands are? Do you want to talk about a band you're in? Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> I play in a band called Beast Wars. I, I play bass for them. Um, 
I was just talking to a friend of mine, um, David Coventry, at his book launch the other day, just to be all literary on it. And um, <laughs> he was saying how it was quite funny how uh, he was talking to some other f- mutual friends, and we were all musicians back in our 20s. Um, and they were just commenting how I was the only one that um, actually made it musically. <laughs> And uh, whereas I was by far and away the worst musician out of all of them. Um, yeah. Well, uh, well, welcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't matter. It doesn't as, matter. As long as you do it with conviction. Conviction's the way to go. Um, and I'm a sound engineer and I've been manipulating sound since I was um, oh, 13 or 14, recording a guitar on a cassette deck, you know. And so music is... It, I've, one of my earliest memories is playing records on a little portable record player that we have and listening to my dad's cassettes on headphones at, you know, at the age of four and five. So music has been a huge part of my life, my entire life, uh, as have books. So um, you know, I've, I'm a voracious reader. And yeah, so both of these things, books and sound, are very important to me. Awesome. Thanks heaps, James. Thanks heaps for coming. Um, hey, Nick, um, are you the worst musician you know? Or yeah, yeah no, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was listening to that and thinking, you know, I can top you, James, <laughs> for being the worst. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, 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 and if I was introduced introduce myself, I, I would love to say, you know, that I'm a musician as well. It's not true, but I'd I'd like to say it. Um, you know, I feel it in my soul that I am, but no one actually wants to listen to the music I make. But um, you know, you know, I was in a band, and I was, was I the worst? You know, I was, I was like worst equal or something like that. So I'll take that. But but yeah, it's about persistence. I like that, and I think so. You know, and I I, I write um, stuff, um, and again, I'd like to say that I'm a a comedy science fiction writer. Again, nobody wants to read any of that. So. You know, I don't know if that's true. So I'm I'm a poet, I have to say, because the other things that people publish, and um, and I don't know if I'm the worst poet, but um, you know, I stick it. I, st- I st- I'm still doing it. I'm I'm 106 years old or something, and uh, you know, I'm still doing it. So so it's what I am. Fabulous. Oh, I love that. I love it. I love it. already. We're on to like persistence and keeping going, which is just so freaking good. <laughs> and yeah, you are both In two spite. of my favourite. Um, people of what you do so yeah thank you so much for um being here i was wondering if we could have a look at these two i asked you to um sort of supply a sound and both of you have supplied songs which i think is really interesting and i wonder if you could if we could maybe start now that i've put you through the terrible thing of introducing yourselves i wonder if you'd like to sort of talk a little bit about the songs that you bought maybe if we start should we start with you james because we're sort of doing ping pong it seems to be the theme of the um yeah so i chose um a sound a song that i wrote on a thing called a synthstrom deluge which is a a device i bought uh it's made here in wellington and uh, it's a it's a synthesizer sequencer arranger sampling box um it's designed primarily for performing live to be self-contained and to and to write and perform electronic music live um 
And I bought it sort of thinking, first of all, that I wanted to get into making electronic music and also I wanted to have it lying around so my kids could, because it's very easy to pick up mm. and just, it, it's, you know, you push buttons and as, the bu- as, as you push buttons on a grid up, the notes go up, you know, as it plays through the sequence. It's, it's a really powerful, easy tool for creating music. And it was my first sort of foray into, I, tr- I was trying to break the deluge, actually. I was trying to see how, how I could create sounds that didn't sound like, um, you know, sort of thing, which is, I'd love, you know, I'd love to make drum and bass. I'd love to be able to get, you know, great sounding you know, Aphex Twin type, you know, stuff like that, or you know. Um, but I also, I wanted to make something kind of My Bloody Valentine-ish, like, uh, Belt of Space, that kind of woozy uh, feeling, feeling disoriented. And um, so it's the first piece I wrote on that that I felt good about. And I took it to um, my friend, Matt, when he was going through chemotherapy, and he was a singer in Beast Wars. Beast Wars had stopped at this point, we'd broken up. And, uh, but he was going through chemo, and I took it around there to, you know, we were just kind of making music. Our guitarist we, the, and Clayton and myself and Matt would get together and just kind of play sounds because Matt was in such a shitty place. Um, and he forced me to play guitar on it. And he said, we, you know, let's work on it. We'll put it into Garage Band and let's, you know, I'll sing on it. And I I didn't want to do anything. I just wanted to, I'd done it. I wanted to shut the door on it and put it away and never see it again. And he forced me to um, play guitar. And I said, oh, we'll record it in a studio or something. He's like, no, no, you're plugging into Garage Band. We're going to do it right here. You're just going to play the guitar over the top and pick a pick an amplifier and, you know, that's it. It's going to happen. And he sang over the top of it. So it ties in with that whole kind of um, not wanting to actually, not seeing yourself as a legitimate musician not seeing myself as a legitimate musician and um, just being forced to do something when, you know, to put it down raw as it is. Um, So, and that's something that, yeah, is, it resonates with me. Oh, that's just such an amazing story. I love, like, I mean, you know, like to, to listen to it, like, you know, like listen to it and then sort of hear that stuff behind it is amazing. You've chosen something that you didn't write. You've chosen a song by the Villains, eh? Do you yeah. want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's from their 2019 album, um, which is called Dunedin Spleen, the album. The song's also called Dunedin Spleen, just, just for ease. Um, and... The the cover the cover image of um of the, the album Dunedin Spleen has um has this painting I'm, I'm not sure who the artist is it, it looks like um uh, Richard Newell but I'm not sure one of those Dunedin painters of dairies and so on um and it's just a just a painting of the Dundas Street dairy and you can see the Alhambra um uh, <laughs> we're know. all nodding at yeah, yeah. <laughs> good good I'm sure I'm sure everybody. You know, the three people that listen to this will also be like, I know that place. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, you've got this image, and then immediately 
the song's about this image, and it's about um, he starts talking about this um, um, a familiar phallus um, or familiar useless phallus on a on a ton of ice or something, and you realise oh he's talking about the giant coke bottle that's that's painted there on the on that there, and then um, and there's a green sign inviting you in, and um, uh, so that the song is is just about mopey Graham Downs stuck in Dunedin and seeing all these young people. And if you lived in Dunedin, you know, it's a sort of um, this eternal town of youth. And I, I lived there well into my my two olds and, and I didn't quite realise how old I was, I think, because you just, you're just hanging out with younger and younger people because that's who's there. And um, yeah, so it's this Dunedin phenomenon. I was, I was just loving listening to it. And of course, it's different for Graham. He's been there a lot longer and... Um, and as it, as the song goes, he passes these these guys. Um, so he's clearly walking. There's a story to it, and you see him. He kind of walked past the Alhambra grounds where guys, a couple of, um, I'm, I'm imagining rugby heads are kind of um, playing a game of force back, as he as he says poetically. But they're just kicking the ball to each other, and um, and then he sort of is, is clearly being sort of feeling negatively about them. And then you hit the chorus, and and it's um ah downs you sad old fuck. Is the is the main line of the chorus, and uh, and each time, so he passes someone different and sees something else, and and he sees this this woman who's sort of scurrying away to um do her classes, and it feels like he's maybe a little creepy towards her. There's an element of that anyway, and and then he's then he goes ah downs you sad old fuck, once the autumn made you gay, and I like the use of gay there meaning happy completely naively. I love that about it. Um, uh, and the the, the next line is um. Why not something like why not just embrace it? No one has to pay, and he's he's saying so. He's just going to write himself. A, he's going to put himself in solitude and write himself a song, and he's going to separate himself and the poison from the pen. It's just these beautiful lyrics about being a miserable prick in Dunedin, <laughs> and writing a song about it. And the song itself is is quite a beautiful song. Um, I, I'm obsessed with making these lists of the the best songs of the year, and I make these. Top 31 of the year, and, and it made my top 31 of 2019. Um, and I was going to give you a song from 1979 because that's the uh, the year I've I've just researched psychotically for the last five months, and I've just finished my my top 31. And then I won't go on too much about this, but um, you know, as I, I think I've bored Pip with this in the past, but it's um it's just an obsessive thing I do that I believe. Um, and when I first started, I thought people are really going to care about these lists. You know, there's this. Uh, my taste is Shazam, you know. Um, I, I really know what's what's what and what's not, and and nobody does. Of course, they don't. People like what they like. They like their own music, and so I've just realised that it's it's purely all it is is my purpose in life. It gives meaning to me that I do these lists and um, and and spend you know hours and hours just re- researching songs, and so that's why I went for that one. I wanted to have a song because James had a song, and I. Um, and I just thought more people should hear it as well because they self-released this album. Their last album, Untimely Meditations, was 2012, I'm thinking. Um, so it's been seven years and they've self-released it and you're kind of thinking, and he's, they're still great. The, the album's amazing, mm. isn't it? It's mm-hmm. Just the songs are, are particularly good. You know, some people really get worse with age and, I mean, you can all think of plenty of artists like that. Um, and then some don't. They just... just keep it like whatever it is or whatever it is they had it's something you'll always have but he <laughs> so. was old when he was young wasn't he you know he was a bad yeah definitely um this really interests me like this idea that the 
the narrative form of a song, you know, like um, the arch that it takes in, like the arc, sorry. But this idea, and definitely in the um, song that you chose, the Elaine's song, there's the journey of the walk, and it seems held together by that. But I think, James, you talked about the words in um, Neon Cross. It was more around that bell toll sound or something? Well, yeah. it, that was, it was originally called um, Church Bells because I'm full of imagination um, <laughs> and it sounded like church bells to me but you know it was like woozy church bells and yeah Matt came up with some like yeah he it, it, his it's it, his words come from lots of different places um, but he told me he I asked him specifically where they came from and it was um Part of it was the, you know, whatever happened to the Neon Cross. And that was a Neon Cross outside our recording studio where Beast Wars was recorded. Um, but, you know, and that sort of tying back to the church bells that I told him about. But as I discovered when I asked him, it's about waking up in a room in Melbourne in winter and there's a crow um, calling and there's wind chimes. And that's what he he heard the wind chimes in it, um, and it was in a, it was near to a crossroad, with um, a bunch of street life, like you know, old junkies, working girls, and you know, toothless old people, who are actually young people, but you know, um, and it was about. It, there's references to being, um, you know, only the crow's sort of saying to him, you're only halfway there and thinking about the heart of darkness, the Joseph Conrad book, and the the fact that he was perhaps on a journey and he was only halfway there and this was like a, you know, calling saying, watch out. Um, so, yeah, that's the narrative that he had for that. Um it's not quite the pina colada song, I was thinking, like as, <laughs> no. as narratives no. go, but you know. No. And, and like, I mean, speaking about the pina colada song, no, no, we're not going to talk about the pina colada <laughs> song, but like, does this type of composition, like, this is really, I, I don't think I prepped you for this question, but thinking about this type of comp- composition, does that feel familiar as a poet? Like, this idea of... Um, you know, like a like the music forms some kind of associations, and does that feel familiar to you, or is that does that feel really way off what you do? Um, no, I'd say I'd say that the cool thing about um, poetry, perhaps as opposed to any other kind of writing, is while you have every poem you've ever written before up until today, is is ultra, is kind of shaping. The, the things you you write and and you know you become a bit of an automaton of style and and I always write like this so I will write like this again today. That said, um, it's a form which is um, incredibly open and and available to all sorts of impulses and um, and that's sort of the the fun of it. It's um uh, I mean it's it's also I guess why it can be you know awful and frustrating and and when people are just being experimental in ways which are clearly exciting to them but but um you know very offer very little to a reader so i i i, I think that i mean that's that's a beautiful um the, the story of, of of waking up in, in melbourne and the crow and the, and the you're halfway i mean that's that's a that's a, a lovely uh 
story behind the the story story <laughs> um and and I think for myself I I don't often have something so um literal or um so like you know I I woke up and tripped over a, a rake and fell into a tennis net or something you know it's it's, it's, it's much more um you know, wouldn't it be funny to rhyme the word spinnaker with vinegar? You know, and that's and that's um going to be. Um, and but how, are you, how are you going to construct that narrative if that's what you're going to do? Is that what you're saying? Um, you come up with an idea. And, uh, yeah, I, I think um, and then it, it can be slightly more, I guess, philosophical or even comedic. Um, can be the driver or. Or, or just as I saying, the rhyme itself can be the thing that, um, because I because I, I love rhyme so much, and I and I and I realised recently that ultimately I I love rhyme and poetry more than anything, and poems that don't rhyme they're all right, but but I, you know, and I know that's not too it's fashionable. Supposed to rhyme, isn't it? It's supposed to rhyme. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna call my next book. It's supposed to rhyme, isn't it? That would be so good. Um, y- yeah. So I and I. And it's just a. I find that a real pleasure um, when it's when it's well delivered. And um, so, yeah, it can it can be as, something as as daft as that. I mean, I mean, I was, I was thinking of that the, the dude from XTC was or some like one of those documentaries on probably on on Mari TV, um, and he was saying that that a chord in itself will write the song for him because he's he's kind of synesthetic or whatever. So he mm-hmm. he plays. He's like, well, I haven't tried to a B flat minor seven before in a song, so he like strums it, and then he hears, and that to him reminds him of porridge and um, or like a, a particular place, and the and the song's driven from that, from w- which um you know you can see a chord sequence or something g- getting you somewhere, but um but just the strum of one chord is making you th- you think of a scene, it's 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 bizarre, you know. So mm. a friend of mine was telling me, showing me. Um, he was a drummer in a um, musical theatre show that I was doing sound for, and so he was a highly trained musician, a drummer, highly trained musician. <laughs> Lol. Um, <laughs> but he Burn. and he was talking about Space Oddity by Bowie, and who, uh, you know, a, an amazing lyricist, and um, but also musically, and he was playing through each chord of the song. And when you see, when you hear the chords in isolation, the chord for um, uh, planet Earth is blue and there's nothing I can do. The chord is a is a floating, ground, ungrounded chord. Um, and when you know, here am I sitting in a tin? All of these chords are ungrounded, but I'm I'm just trying to remember the the words. Mm. I can't remember the passages. But um, as he goes through the lyrics and becomes more resolute, or there's a there's a there's a you know, a point where he's talking about something solid. The chord is a major chord, and at the end, so you know, or it becomes, it goes to sustained chords, or mm. whatever happens. But when you when you hear, I don't I don't know how he managed to do that, but that's his artistry right there is is saying, you know, is taking something which an ungrounded sound, that chord, and putting an ungrounded lyric with it. And then turning it round, and you know, yeah, yeah. You get this. He's floating in his tin can, and then he he takes yeah. his protein pills, and he yes, um, and yes. he puts his uh, helmet on, and yeah, and those chords are very solid. 
yeah, and yeah, they're no. very solid and very grounded. Yeah, and when you, it, it made me listen amazing. to the whole song again. I think that's kind of what you said about the XTC guy. It made me think of that. When I hear stuff like that, Nick, I get green with jealousy. Do you know what I mean? Like what? And I'm wondering, is there anything we bring? Well, like, is there anything you can bring to poetry to do? Do you know, is it sibilance and assonance? Is it, um, you know, is it rhyme? Is it, sh- is, it, is it a particular type of meter? Is there anything we can do to mimic that? Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> you, you, that's that's why um, people like music, you know, and mm. nobody likes poetry. I guess. <laughs> no, it's not entirely that. I, yeah, there's, there's things, and I, and I think the, the cool thing about, um, and I, that's the thing I've, I've often said, but I was, I was really moved in um, Scylla McQueen's In a Slant Light book when she was talking about being a, being a poet in the 80s, and and it was all about how they were all in drama as well, and they all did visual art, and they all did music, and they did sound collages, and, and it was just kind of this being in a sort of artistic community and doing stuff, and there was much less sense of you're siloed in here, and you're, you're doing that. And um, so and I think sometimes it really pays just to remember that if you, you're doing a, a poem or whatever, it doesn't mean you can't shove a violin in or, um, you know, or... or or have have the the, the show ponies uh, um, uh, performance, for instance, as an example. You, you know, there's um, you don't need to be restricted to that. But at the same time, just just literally taking your question, I think you can have um, multiple voices, perhaps, in a in a poem that that are, are doing different things. You can have um, the shape of the poem on the page representing. Um, a you know a, a very physical, concrete thing, or or a um, you know, metaphorically taking taking you in a certain way, um, and and I think yeah, with line breaks and, and things like that, you can shape a reading, and you can have um, physical metaphors of the shape of the poem and the shape of the line breaks, um, and the punctuation even, or you know, go all Apollinaire and spread it out all over the page. So y- there are um, physical things that you can do in a poem which are separate to the words and the sound, um, which act a little like music, but really it's not as good as it, but yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, I like there's a part of me which has always thought of poems as being the absence of anything except the words, mm. and it's, you know, some of my favourite poetry has had words, I mean mus- sounds put to it. I remember seeing Kate Tempest at the MFC mm. just recently, yeah. and that was incredibly powerful, but... I'm not sure it was more powerful having the sounds with the words. I, I don't know. And I think there's a very, like her, for example, there's a really clear difference between the stuff that she does that's almost hip-hop and the stuff that she does that's writing it down. So, yeah, I, and I'm, th- I'm thinking of things like E.E. E. Cummings, who I love, and you, you can't get them on Kindle because you can't, put that you can't it's about how it looks almost you know not even how it's read it's how you read it to yourself in your head and that's it's there's something kind of other with poetry which is not narrative it's unto itself it's kind of and so maybe it's maybe like you say nobody likes poetry you know but everyone likes music but maybe it's because it's more difficult you have to 
I don't know, you have to work harder. But then we got Spike Milligan, yeah. <laughs> who I love. You know, yeah. I loved when I was a kid, and, and so I don't know. Yeah. I, and sorry, I'm, re- I'm, I'm reading. I'm reading a lot of Doctor Zeus at the moment. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and I realized just what a massive influence he actually was on me. And as I, as I read through it, just that, and, and just some of it, just, just so beautiful and so yes. e- excellent. And, it's, and it is, often it's poetry, really is, as well oh, as that's yeah. what I'd call it. So, um, yeah, it, it's an interesting thing with, with Graham Downs, mm. look at me bringing it back, um, to uh, years ago, bumped into him while we were trying to hawk the literary journal Glottis that we, we were trying to sell in the student union. Um, and, and I asked him, you know, it would be great to have some of your um, poems in there. Um, you know, could you submit something? And, and he was very, um, he, he, I'm, he seemed very modest. And I, I know he hasn't always been described as, as a modest chap, but he was, um, he was just saying, oh, no, 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 I really don't think I can write poetry. And it just really struck me as like, you're really, really good lyricist. Like, um, the, the, what you write is, is, is excellent. And if I was just to read, that isn't that is better than a lot of the poetry I'm reading. Um, but of course, it is, it is quite different to write a lyric um, and, and to write a poem. Poem's got to stand up on its own legs mm. a little more and, and not rely on, okay, here's where... The stress lies because this is where the melody goes, and so you know you, you make sense of it. And, and recently, Faber released um, books of uh, lyrics from Billy Bragg and um, Jarvis Cocker, and um, and the most funny one, Sean Ryder of the Happy Mondays. Um, and um, I had the pleasure of um, proofreading those books, and uh, the and it's amazing because you know I, I I I like all three of those those characters, but they really would not stand alone. Like if you'd never heard the songs and you just read those lyrics, even Jarvis Cocker, I think, writes, writes a spanking good lyric. Um, yeah, they, they fall a little flat when you just read a whole bunch of them one after the other. And it's, um, yeah. yeah. I was just going to say, I got King Inc. when King Inc. came out, which is the book of Nick Cave lyrics. Mm. And I love his stuff. I love the birthday party. You know, they're one of my favourite bands. But when you his, and I've always thought of him as a powerful lyricist. But reading them, it's kind of like they've lost so much of their power mm. by just without having him bellowing them at you, <laughs> and Roland Howard and, and Tracy Pugh, you know, pounding away in the background. It's 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 yeah yeah. Can we talk about loud music? Um, I. I was listening to Belt Space the other day and I was surprised like I'm and I think I felt that when I listened to both of your songs you know like I feel like and this is probably just me being dumb but I feel like in the Verlaine song the vocals are mixed quite to the front you know like it feels like the music is there to serve the lyrics yeah whereas sometimes when because actually, I actually asked Graham Downs this once. Um, he was giving a lecture about lyrics, and I said, "What about you know, like loud music?" And he said, "Sometimes people will just um, sort of work through the vowels to see which vowels will work for you know the the sound and that sort of thing." But what does it mean, both of you? Because I know that we're also moving into some music that you like as well. What does it mean when you can't hear the lyrics? Do you know what I mean? Like, what does it mean when the lyrics are there almost for sound rather than for meaning? 
So Belter Space, it's about being an instrument. And there's other... Um, Although um, they have done, um, you know, a few songs where it is the lyric is to the forefront and when they were trying to be oh, a little yeah. little more pop, oh, yeah, right? Yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah, for sure. Um, Stop um, wasting my time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It didn't go like that, but yeah. Mm. I mean, I, when... Because you mentioned this in the in the email you sent, you said you wanted to talk about that, and I had some. So you know, there's a bunch of things I think, and especially with like with punk rock or protest music in general, but punk rock especially because that's loud protest music. Mm-hmm. You, I've always liked it when I can understand to a degree what's being said and most of the music that I listen to and that, that was a that was a huge problem with me with modern sort of uh, grindcore and death metal and things like that which you know uh, look at my history of music and you would have thought oh hey it's a shoo-in but um, I've found you know that dog barking type stuff it's just what's the point I, I no um, I, I didn't I didn't get it and there was a sort of turning point, but when it, when I look at when I look at most of the music that I listen to that's modern, where you can't understand what's being said, it's intentional. Mm. It's it's like I'm I'm just trying to evoke something as guttural as the music that we're trying to do, and I'm trying to do that with my voice. And you read the lyric sheet, and you go, that bears absolutely no relationship to what this person is saying. They're, you know, they're making dog noises, but. Then a lot of other stuff that I listen to that's modern, I can't, like, you know, there's grindcore bands like Pig Destroyer and stuff who I can understand what he's saying and that's why I like them. Um, and I, was, I also was thinking that it's, there's kind of a, um, I don't know about you, but as a young middle class teenager, I knew that I was incredibly fucked off with all this stuff around me, but it was kind of, I didn't have anywhere to direct it because it was directed at myself because I was part of what I was raging against, and so it was almost incoherent, and it was that I, I can see a lot of that as well there's like it you just blend it in and you want to do something with your voice that is reflecting what's happening with the bass and the drums and the guitar so yeah that incoherency is important um but and another thing i thought about with with regarding that was the the fact that there's an there's a sense of elitism as well with with some of the more sort of out there um, stuff where you have to do a bit of work to even find it in the first place. You know, you've got to scour record bins and and read the thank you lists on the back of albums. You know, and and so you have to do a bit of work to actually figure out what they're talking about as well. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I like it as a question because. I almost want to ask that question while thumping my fist against a table, you know, why can I not hear the, but, um, the, um, and, uh, but I was thinking of, um, Kevin Shields from my buddy Valentine was talking about Loveless, the album, which is, you know, there's this masterpiece of, of of strangeness and and originality, but is so listenable and so wonderful. And and he said about it that 
him and I, I believe is it Brenda Butcher is that her name um, yeah. they that they worked really hard on the lyrics that they just spent hours and hours getting the lyrics tickety boo and um, and you know if you can tell me one lyric from that album I will give you a lollipop you know it's um it's hard to, hard to hear but I think um, so I'm I'm confused by that but the idea but somehow in in my sort of I don't know elitist mind I like the idea that that somewhere in there the lyrics are really good <laughs> yeah. but even in saying yeah, it, it might have been just a complete lie you know like oh, actually I just said the word puppy over and over and you um but I think also if you uh, when you went to uh, when you see live music um in particular uh and in the live music when I was going a lot which is probably in the 90s now I realize um it was. It's very common that the, in the mix, you can't make out the lyrics, and that, and so it becomes normal, I think. And um, and I don't, and I'm I'm still am wanting to bang my little fist against the table about it because I, because the lyrics are so important to me, and I and I want the lyrics to be there, and I think it, it, it sometimes shows a lack of confidence um to not get them front and center, and then sometimes. There are songs that I really like. I love the guitar sound, um, you know, great melody. There's just something novel and interesting about it. And then you finally tune into what the lyric is, um, and you're like, oh, that's really poor, and mm-hmm. I'm going to hear that over and over in my head. I was, um, in 1979, there's a, there's a song by the Blue Oyster Cult, which is in the V, right? And it gets to the end of the chorus, and it goes, um, but I'd like to wrap myself in thee. And I thought the lyric was, uh, but I'd like to wrap myself in leaves. And I just thought that was so cool. He said all these things. Then he goes, but I'd like to wrap myself in leaves. And I was like, you stoned out madman. I love it. And then when I realized that the song's called In Thee, which is a bit of a hint that that's what the lyric is. um, Yeah, I I, I just really dudded me out, I must say, because I think that's. Excuse me while I thee. kiss the sky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, yeah, wouldn't. Yeah. Well, I, I was just going to say uh, one of my favourite bands is a band called the Melvins, mm. and um, uh, his lyrics are unintelligible, mm. um, but they're perfectly audible. Um, and one of my favourite, uh, inside one of their sort of more successful albums. Um, you open it up and there's the lyrics and the lyrics are um, written verbatim um, what he's saying and they're total and utter nonsense. Lost ticker toe rag, I lost a beat away and it's like, that, and that's what he's saying. That yeah, mm-hmm. And I, I really love that. It's like, because you, you, they're, they're very funny. The Melvins are very funny and, um, you know, I love that aspect of it as well. Just yeah, well, made up language of, um, <laughs> yes. of like... Sigur Ross songs you think you think it's Icelandic and apparently it isn't um, yeah. and uh, or Cocteau Twins that they oh, did, did a bunch yeah. of stuff which is not not words and <laughs> just crazy stuff but also I think you know Beck did, did um, in his sort of biggest heyday they didn't really make any sense at all those lyrics and, and they had a news piece on it at one point and, and they were saying um, they, you know Beck has admitted that his lyrics don't mean anything <laughs> As I was, as I was, there was a surprise. Watching my pearls. I know my my pearls popped straight off my, um, yeah, my eyeballs, and um, it was, it just seemed like well, of course, did, 
it doesn't make sense. He's just he's just having fun saying really cool stuff. Yeah. And but it is incredibly poetic as well. And you know, it's it's you can make out all those lyrics. And I prefer I prefer I don't mind nonsense. I love nonsense. Yeah. Nonsense is great. Um, which is a different thing to your question, I guess, though. But it's exactly where I was leading. I was leading into this idea of nonsense. Like I mean, you've talked about. Um, Dr. Seuss and you know like the joy of those words in your mouth you know and sure they hold together you know there, there's a there's a um, beetle battle happening in a bottle you know they, they sort of hold together but it's often about the joy of well for me oh, yes. you know how they feel in your mouth oh yeah saying them yeah. and how fast fox and socks as well how fast can I read fox yeah, and socks that's right. and still remain coherent oh. that's right it's, a, it's a, that little secret challenge which makes it more fun for the the parent than, than possibly the child. I'm not sure, but it's um, yeah. I'm gonna murder Fox and Socks tonight. <laughs> oh, I love I love that book. This is a really this is a really dull question, but I wonder every now and then there's an element of that in your writing, like you know where I feel like I'm really enjoying the sound and it touches me at almost a subconscious level. And I think it's the same with um, Beast Wars and you know a whole bunch of other music. Is like it touches you at some level that maybe isn't it's it's past meaning if you know what I mean like and I think that's a beautiful moment when that happens and you know I guess that's why I'm quite interested in this idea of an audible sound or you know like because I, I just feel like is there a way with poetry and music that we can kind of get past the conscious mind and more obviously it's like mainstreaming emotions when you've got music behind you but yeah I don't know isn't that what poetry is doing? I thought it was kind of short-circuiting something because you, you're not creating a world... Well, no, sorry. I was just about to say you're not creating a world with words where you are, but you, it's not about the descriptive language that you're using. It's about the cadence of it and the arrangement and the... the it tricks your mind into doing things, and that's why I love it so much. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't want to characterise poetry too tightly, as, as what I'd say on that, is that um, some poems are very straight-speaking, mm. and, um, and that can be absolutely glorious as well, and, um, and you know, or, or tell a very simple story, and, and you know, there's this run of, of, of poets at the moment who... Um, are doing a, a form of confessional poetry which is is really likable and um, uh, and it's very communicative and, and funny and okay, okay so I'm, I'm I'm I guess I'm not t- just was then talking about Freya Daddy Sagrove but <laughs> but um there are yeah it feels like there's a there's a thread of, of of poetry now which is less about being artsy or vague or <laughs> um uh, you, you know trying to do things with the page or anything like that, and I, I, I'm really enjoying that. I think that's um, that's cool, and it and it, and it clearly uh, chimes with a lot of people, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, t- totes agree, but um, yeah, there's, there's there's like a there's a range when it comes to that stuff, but oh, yeah. 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 I just had a flashback to I think one of the first times I saw you read, and I remember it was one of those moments where I thought, "Holy shit, you can do this with poetry!" And I think it was a poem. It was called "The New," or something, you know. And then there was another poem about, um, which was about winds. It was kind of like somebody saying, 
means testicles. Yeah, <laughs> it's a killer. But um, like I just remember thinking that with those poems was that, oh my gosh, like if you do get a rid of rid of this artifice and talk straight, whoa, you know that's kind of like going to school naked or you know like and I think yeah there is something so interesting in that that I just yeah I don't know I don't know um even that like that was kind of that was what I was trying to get at that not it doesn't necessarily have to be um uh it's not it you know um constructed and but there's something even when you're being direct there's still something which is bypassing any any conscious response and it's to do with the flow of the words and the sound of the and the feel of them and all the this yeah as they said to you the way they said to you if they're read and and that being more powerful than a um than a novel and more powerful than lyrics in a song because it's just about the human voice i do you read I read poetry to myself in my own in my head when I read it I read it out loud so it's re- it's being read to me and I have to figure out how it wants to be read before I can proceed does it so I'd still read it out to myself when I'm reading it I'm I don't know. yeah no no that's um, um I mean I find this interesting because I write poetry and like poetry so yeah. um uh yeah that uh I, I mean, I think every poem should should probably be read twice, you know, and w- when you read it, um, if you just read it through once and you feel like, you know, I'm I'm done with that point, it's probably, it's not, maybe it's not a bad poem, but it, but it's, but there's something maybe a little bit empty there. Um, and yeah, I do exactly the same thing. I think I, I would, when I read a poem, I'd... I um I check no one's looking then um then um you know start start to read it out and maybe mumble a little but I but I but I like I do like to hear it and then I will generally do it a second time as well and it's um and it's often in that second reading that you're you know what's coming you're kind of appreciating more what was at the start because you know what's coming and it um it, yeah it makes 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 more of the whole. Mm. We're just about out of time and I was gonna there are two questions that I really want to ask and I've got no way of sort of neatly segueing them in. And I guess, James, for you, yeah, I'm just going to throw it out there. The other day we were doing something and you were talking about the relationship of maths and music. Now, I don't, I, I, you do not have to explain, yeah, you do not have to explain every, but I'm just wondering, like, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think, to me, there's some connection with um, poetry, well, the way, I, you know, like when I think about meter and I think about syllables and there does seem to be this interesting kind of maths base. Well, it is. I mean, you know, like um, iambic pentameter is about, it's a number, isn't it? It's got the word, something to do with five. <laughs> uh, but no, um, so uh, all sound is made up of tones. The audible frequency spectrum goes from 20 hertz, which is lower than I can hum, uh, which is, you know, all of those bass drops and, and uh, you know, um, drum and bass music and etc. Uh, is down there, down around 30, 40, 50 hertz. Um, bass guitars are sort of, you know, 100 hertz. And um, up to 20 kilohertz, which is the highest frequency we can hear. So um, there's a range in there. Um, baby, uh, 
the voice is centered around you know one and two kilohertz which is woo woo that sort of frequency and um so if you have an octave so uh, a 440 hertz um is 440 cycles which is uh kind of about i know maybe it's a bit lower i can't think at the moment but an octave is 880 cycles and an octave above or below that is 220 cycles so from a to a to a is a doubling of frequency so um all sounds are related by maths um it gets it gets so much more complicated than that um we have a logarithmic response in terms of our, which is a mathematical response, a non-linear mathematical response. We have a, a logarithmic response to the um, frequency and intensity of sound. Um, so uh, it takes it, it takes you know um, ten times as much energy for a sound to appear twice as loud, for example. Um, I wasn't prepared for this. Uh, I'm to, but yeah, there is a huge mathematical relationship. Um, maths, but that's the only reason for that is because maths is is the most pure and beautiful language ever devised that is there to help explain our perception of the world, and and it's actually a an incredibly powerful and almost perfect one, um, because it explains all of the relationships can be exp- that that our world has seen seemingly can be explained by maths you know um so yeah and a great book is Godel Escher Bach which um which talks about the relationship of um uh art and music and maths oh thanks so much James you always blow my mind every time I talk to you (laughs) Nick you can either talk about maths (laughs) <laughs> or <laughs> I had a, a sort of general sort of closing question for you which is around like I mean that we have that we have recorded a podcast about your lists of favorite songs and stuff like that and I'm just wondering like if do you think it's just that that's something you, that you like as well, or do you think that there is a connection between the poetry and the music? Because I know poetry is not the only thing you do, but I just do you feel like there is a connection between being a writer and music, or is saying that the same as saying is there a connection with being a soccer player and, a, and liking music? I don't know. Do you have any thoughts? So, so maths was the first one, was it? Yes, yeah. Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Always love to talk about about maths, um, but. Uh, yeah, you know, to, to to cover that one, I, I just just yes is the easy answer, and that um, because of the the act of of doing writing and and doing the type of of writing that I I do, um, yeah, I, I, I care about words, and I've got a various opinions on on what I like in that that field, and um, and I, I guess because of you know my obsession with linguistics and so on, um, that songs that. Um, echo that, or um, and because the type of music I like is not um, is not opera, where I can't understand the, the, what they're talking about, or and it's not classical music or instrumental music. Um, you know, I, I like instrumental music, and there's a lot of great instrumental music. Um, I mean, you're mentioning Aphex Twin earlier. You know, there's certain things which will, will always really appeal, but um, but it l- it lacks something for me, and that having that human voice who's doing some verses and choruses. Um, 
is is just yeah it's important to me and um so yeah and I, and I think to to go a little further there's a song by the band Tokyo Police Club which are some I think they're Canadian they they're not that great or anything they sound sound a wee bit emo actually but um but they have this lyric um and it's got a got some cool guitar behind it and it goes um and it just goes vowel change I remember when we used to sound the exact same and um and I just and because it's about <laughs> accents changing and uh, and I just thought what what a cool lyric to go vowel change and and then the the and similar to David Bowie the um you know the 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 note which has been the same then then moves at that point into to a different riff um so yeah love it and um I, and I can't really say anything too deep about it and that's what is cool about music as well it's like um. You just just love it, and I and I like being I like being a fanboy. I have a similar thing with the the films I like. I don't I don't need to be um, deeply critical or, or explain why I like it. I just I just do, you know. And and that's the way my lists work. Is that I just it's like a they shoot horses, don't they? Dance off where you just I keep listening to songs over and over and over and over and over until um, I realise I could listen to this song forever and I'll still love it. And that's 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 the yardstick. If I can do that and I still like it um, more than this other song, you know, it's like which one's going to fall first? You fell first, um, Richard Hell and the Voidoids, um, and that's uh, and, that, and that's how it goes. So um, yeah, but I'd have loved to have covered that that maths question because it um, it's it's almost like the puzzle and the maths is what makes it interesting. That's what I loved in writing music, and that's what I love in why I write metrical poetry as well. It's the Joy of maths. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I've just got to say, what about Mogwai? Yeah, no. And, and people <laughs> say this to me. It's like um, like Sorry. many of my, many of my um things that I won't, like. I, I don't like um fiction written in translation. It's like, well, aren't you just holding yourself back from a whole bunch of stuff just to have a, you know, a fancy opinion? And um, and same with Mogwai. And and you know, a few other bands. Yeah, I can appreciate it and I like it. Um, yeah, Mogwai's super cool. But, yeah. Oh, this could go on. Hey, just to finish up. Yeah, yeah, a good sing-along. Sounds good. Hey, just to finish off and to totally expose ourselves, I was wondering what the last song you listened to that wasn't the two that we've talked about are on here. I was just trying to look through. um, I was listening to the Hamilton soundtrack this morning, so that's a bit, I don't know, I feel a bit embarrassed about that, but I really enjoyed it. What's the last thing on your playlist? Flipper. <gasps> oh. It's quite funny. I was having a conversation with an audio, with a mate of mine. I mean, he sells audio gear in Australia. And we were talking about, you know, all of our different pieces of headphones. Well, I've got lots of different pieces of headphones. <laughs> and, you know, how hi-fi they were. And I just realised I was walking along listening to um, the incredibly, incredibly hi-fi sounds of Flipper Live, which if you don't know Flipper, Flipper are not hi-fi. But at least the headphones captured that. Yeah. Oh, and God, you can hear the words too. Wow. The words are very important with Flipper. <laughs> if I can't be drunk, I don't want to be alive. Ah. Nick, what is the last thing you listen to? Yeah, um, I'm just being like, please don't be the latest Morrissey single. <laughs> I don't want to have to, def- <laughs> don't have to defend myself. No, um, so uh, yeah, I, I'm currently listening to, to stuff from 2020, having finished the other thing, and I think that the last one there, um, it was on shuffle, um, was Rumbler by the Black Lips. Um, Black Lips are sort of a, 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 a kind of a, a cool 
swampy, rocky, weird thing. Indie, blinnet, skinnity. I don't know how you describe them, but they've, they've got something that really appeals to me. And um, yeah, they're. Is this is a cover? I don't know. Ride, ride, rumbler, ride. Does that does that ring a bell? It sounds. It's one of those lyrics that you just think this must be. This song must have existed already. And I love songs like that. Someone, yeah. And um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone wrote that, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> the wedding present. That's right. Yeah. That is just amazing. I just um. Yeah, I love one of my favourite things about this conversation has been the way uh, we've talked about woozy rock. We've talked about um swampy rock. Yeah, it's just been great. Yeah, this is great. Try to write about music is hard. Thank you both so much. I really appreciate it. You've been awesome. Right, the exercise, woohoo. So in this discussion, we talk a lot about rhyme. Um, Rhyme is the sort of strange thing that happens where words sound like each other. So um, the most, um, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, the most extreme form of rhyme is where you rhyme one word with itself. So you might say that and that or cat and cat. Um, And then at the other end, we have slightly more subtler forms of rhyme where maybe the only things that um, are in common are the vowel sounds or maybe even if we get even further out, it might simply be the consonant sounds. So the exercise is simply this. What I want you to do is turn on a recorder Probably it will be your phone, but it might be something else. And I want you to say the line, I listen to a band called Flipper. And then I want you to just riff off that. So just like give us a second line, a third line, a fourth line. Um, I was thinking that it might be fun to try and keep going for one minute. Um, But just with this idea that what you're aiming for, what you're trying to reach for is that end rhyme with flipper now don't forget about half rhymes and all those weird rhymes in between it's a rhyme when you say it's a rhyme that's the Pipandum school of rhyme um the other thing is don't be afraid to change the end sound completely if you find it feels right like it may end up just feeling right to change that um last um yeah just to change that last sound so uh, there you go turn on that recorder say the word Say the line, I listen to a band called Flipper and see how far you get. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, Save it because maybe you might like it. Thank you.